you're a nurse and now you're a public speaker. Yeah. Good job. Taking my show on the road. It's like yeah. double, double gifted. Yeah. You're like the Cordell Stewart of the <laughs> medical profession. Uh, some of you got that joke. Some of you didn't. Um, Caitlin, you want to come up with me? <clears throat> we're going to just, Caitlin and I, we're just going to put our hands on your, sh your shoulder and we're going to pray you. for you. And as we put our hands on your shoulder, um, if you feel so led, you could extend a hand forward. And uh, it's just saying that we are with you. We want to pray a blessing over Brenda and the pregnancy clinic. And you said something that, that is so powerful. Um, actually, a lot of stuff. And, and if you're wondering where all this came from, um, you can go back and listen. But it was a message back in July. And uh, you can go back and look on our archive. And it was called this, Don't Miss the Point. The idea is that you could actually stand on what you believe to be the right side of an issue. And you can actually not be standing where Jesus would stand. Because Jesus stands and he associates with the lowly and the broken. And he gets in and wants to serve. And what you guys are doing is awesome. And we support you. And so I just want to pray this over you. You said it. So if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom shall be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. Lord, we pray over Brenda and the Wacom Pregnancy Clinic. We thank you, Lord, that their desire is to show, um, to pour humanity onto people, to serve as best they can in the city in which you have called them. We thank you for the gifted individuals who work there that have dedicated their lives to serving others. Um, Lord, we want to pray protection over this place, and we want to pray, pray blessing over this place. That this would be a place where people can find uh, help and encouragement in a time of need. Um, they can uh, be provided um, education and uh, tools and also a place to be loved and received uh, as they are. Lord, that is our heart as your followers, that we would not be about ourselves, but we would be about others. So we thank you for Brenda. We thank you for the good work uh, in our city, and we pray blessing um, in all aspects over them. So we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. 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 Can we give her a hand? Thank you. That was great. Okay, what's up, y'all? Hey, yo. Okay, next step. If you have your Bibles, you want to open them up to the book of Mark, chapter 14. Book of Mark, chapter 14. Getting close to the end of this thing. Anybody excited to be done? with Mark and move on to the next thing? Yeah. What, you were just mentioning that? You're like, man, this is taking forever. You know, sometimes, sometimes it's nice to finish things. Can I get an amen? amen? We live in a world where it's so easy to start stuff, and then you run out of steam, and you're like, well, I'm over that. I think I'll do, go on to the next thing. And sometimes there's what's called perseverance 
where you just want to push through and, and finish well. And um, that's what we're looking at with the Gospel of Mark. And uh, it's really cool every once in a while to just take a book of the Bible and go all the way through it together. Because here's what we're doing. It's not, it's not a time for me to just spend time telling you about the Bible and about Jesus and how to read the Bible and interpret the Bible and how to communicate the Bible. It's modeling what we can do at any point where we open up God's word and we read it. And it has application for us, for your life personally and your situation. It also had cultural context. It's the living word of God. It is awesome. And you can open up any verse, any chapter, and I guarantee you with the right heart, um, God has things he wants to say. And to where we leave going, dude, it's not just a book. It's like alive. It speaks to me. It gives me guidance and direction. So um, that's why I love going through going through books of the Bible with you guys. So today, um, real fancy message title. You ready? The Last Supper. Supper, for all of you uh, Western Washingtonians, is another term for dinner uh, in much of the world. And um, in Mark 14, I want to read to you, let's read together this account of what is called the Last Supper. This is Thursday night. We are now within 24 hours. This is literally Jesus' last supper. What did Jesus do with the last 24 hours of his life? Wouldn't it be cool to know what God in human flesh did when he knew he had 24 hours to live? was not a hypothetical. Jesus, what would you do if you had 24 hours to live? Well, we're going to see. What he one of the things that he chose to do, and it was a much slower pace thing. He had dinner with close friends. A lot happened around this table, but we're going to look at it from Mark's account today. So in chapter 14, starting in verse 12. And on the first day of unleavened bread which is this whole, uh, another term for this whole week, this Passover week. And when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, where would you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and he said to them, go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Jesus's directions are the best. Uh, Go into the city. Could you imagine? Go into the city and just keep walking straight. He didn't say take a left on 2nd Street and then up here in the alley and there's the house. Keep walking and then you're gonna, someone's going to cross in front of you with a jar of water. Follow them. And wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, the teacher says, Where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready. There, prepare for us. And the disciples set out and went into the city and found it just as he has told them, and they prepared the Passover. And when it was evening, he came with the twelve, and they were reclining at the table and eating. 
Jesus said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. And they began to be sorrowful, and they said to him, one after another, Is it me? He said to them, It is one of the twelve, who is dipping bread into this dish with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him. But woe to the man, woe to that man, by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would be better for that man if he had never been born. Verse 22. And as they were eating, he took bread. And after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, Take this. Take. This is my body. And he took a cup. When he had given thanks, he, had, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the, until the day which, when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. He's saying this is the last time I'm going to do this until we do it in a different way one day. Verse 26, and when they had sung a hymn, they went out of the Mount of Olives, and Jesus said to them, you will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even though they all fall away, I will never fall away. And Jesus looked at Peter, and he said to him, Truly I tell you that this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, If I must die with you, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Even as I'm reading, I've been reading it all week. As I read it new now, I'm, it's, it's very deep. It is a wealth of so much for us. So may we receive what it is that you want us to receive today. May we learn what it is you want us to learn. May we grow in the way in which you would like us to grow. We love you, Lord. Have your way in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. The Last Supper. Jesus' last day. There's something that we've been talking about here quite, quite a bit, and we're going to always talk about it. The church word for it is discipleship. The church is a place, the kingdom of God is a place that you don't get by birthright. Um, you don't enter by wealth, status. You, you're born into the kingdom of God. And it is a kingdom that we live in by faith. It is one that is a response in which, in, in, in how we respond to the person and work of Jesus. And as we give ourselves to Jesus and to living in his kingdom, we become his apprentices, the Bible says. We learn from him. Another word is disciple or padwan learner. 
um, you follow someone's teaching and their skills, whether it be with a lightsaber or how you deal with people. So we follow Jesus and we are his students, his disciples, his apprentices. And as we grow and learn from him, there is a change that happens. But what we realize is we notice how things used to be. And then we notice how things could be or how Jesus maybe is different than the patterns we were used to. We develop new rhythms. Discipleship is all about rhythms, habits, practices of the one that you're following. Jesus knows that there are certain rhythms and habits and practices that we need. Things that happen, like breathing. You kind of need to do that uh, on a rhythm. When I think about the stuff that Jesus wants to do, I think about keeping the beat. Uh, More to come as we get into the book of Ecclesiastes on keeping the beat. But be ready. It's going to be crazy. Um, Communion is a beat. It's a heartbeat. It is a connection with God's heart. It is when no matter how your heart is beating, I was tracking my heart rate on a race that I did recently, and uh, I raced my mountain bike a couple times this summer. Not a good mountain bike racer. Elliot is. Um, Let's go. Uh, Jonah, uh, I was trying to catch my son, and I almost did. But I saw my heart rate at the end of it, and uh, it was It was fast. I was like, what is Max heart rate? Like, at what point does your heart explode? And I don't think I was pushing explosion, but it was like, you know, 180 or something. And um, I was like, <laughs> when I got done. But I think about my heartbeat because I was really worked up. And then I think about the steadiest person who, ever, who has ever been Jesus, his resting heart rate. He's steady. He is my anchor, my steadfast place i need continual rhythms of tapping in my heart tapping into jesus's heartbeat that is what is communion that's what's being communicated here to us communion is just that it is a regular connection it is a meal that keeps the beat of faith going i want to talk to you guys with the rest of our of our time today about Four things that communion helps us to do. And it just so happens that they all start with P, the letter P, which is just so you know it's biblical. If they were to start with different letters, you might have to question it. But since they all start with with P, you know we're good. Let's look at this text, and I just want to point out a few things. When it came to this Last Supper that Jesus did on purpose with these people, First thing that he did is he asked them to go and prepare. There was preparation involved. Verse 13, he sent out two of his disciples and he said, go into the city. A man will meet you there. He'll be carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. Wherever he goes, say to the master of the house, the teacher says, capital T, 
meaning that the master of, ho- of the house would have not been surprised by this? Where is the guest room that I may eat Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a, a large upper room that is already furnished and prepared. And there, prepare for us, make ready for us. So his disciples went out. There was preparation required, is what I'm saying. There was a place prepared and ready by someone. Did you notice that the two went and prepared for what was going to happen for the 12 later? The preparation of a few and the connection of a few made a set the table, pun intended, for many later on. But their preparation... God, uh, answering the call of what God would have them to do, join their hearts with other people who were preparing. They had already prepared their home. And I wanted you to notice that it wasn't a palace, Jesus' last meal. What would you like to, where would you like? He, didn't ha- he had his first meal in a manger, uh, and he had his last meal in just a regular old living room, both of which he deserved the palace both of which he deserved a palace that could never be built by human hands. He deserved the palace of heaven and all of his majesty, yet everything Jesus did as our teacher was to show us something. And the last meal he shared, he shared with friends in a small room, sitting on the floor in an intimate space. And he asked others to chip in. He didn't have his last dinner with royalty, but with ordinary people. The question for us is, is there room enough in your heart and your home for Jesus to sit around the table and dine with you? Because the reality is King Jesus will happily dine in any place that has been prepared for him. Any place that's been prepared for him where he has made the guest of honor He will act as the guest of honor. But there is preparation involved. When we take communion, we want to prepare. We've been preparing. A few people have been preparing for this morning for a week. Regardless of how many people show up on a Sunday, some some Sundays more than others, there are people that have been praying and preparing a few that have been preparing for as many as would come on a Sunday. They, will, they are blessed from the Lord. Thank you to those of you that serve alongside me and you're involved in what God is doing in this regular heartbeat of the gospel of Jesus because his heart beats for all people and we've joined in. The second thing is this. There's preparation Uh, First thing is to prepare. The second thing I put is to peek. We prepare, and then we take a peek. I want to read, I'm going to go through these verses again, because I want you to see this. Verse 17, in the evening, he showed up with the 12. Now as they sat and ate, Jesus speaks. And he doesn't say, you guys, this is so awesome. Actually, in Luke's gospel, he does say that. He says, this is awesome. I have desired to have this meal with you guys because he wanted to impart some stuff. You guys ever heard the story where Jesus gets up from the table 
puts a towel around his waist and washes the disciples' feet, that's at this table. That was this dinner. Talk, that's talked about in the Gospel of John, where it shows um, the humility and God's heart behind those he serves and how we should serve. But it, it says here, um, as they sat and ate, Jesus said this. I've got to tell you guys something. One of you who eats with me is going to betray me. This is the Last Supper. They're going to have communion. Verse 19. And they all began to be sorrowful and to say to him one by one, is it me? And then someone else said, is it me? And Jesus answered them and said, it is one of the 12 who dips with me in this dish. When they ate, you didn't have your own plate of stuff. It was more like the movie Hook. You know, the meal, you know, greatest movie ever made. Uh, the meal where all the food's out in the middle and it's sort of like uh, you, you put your hand in the dish with someone else, your hands might touch. It's like pre-COVID. Um, but you shared and you had community, com- you, you dipped bread into the hummus and into the different oils and things that were on the table. You shared it. So it was someone in literal close proximity. One of the 12 was going to betray him. Skip down to verse 26. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out of the Mount of Olives. And then Jesus said to him, to them, again, he says, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. And then Peter I mean, they just had this beautiful meal, like this connection. Sometimes you feel so connected to the Lord. You're like, oh, we're close. I just, I hear his voice. He spoke to me in his word. And then Jesus makes a prediction. You're going to sin soon. Peter's like, no way. I know we've, we're so on point right now. We're tracking. Some of these guys, I don't know where they were at, but when I was singing that song, my hands were in the air. I meant it. And Jesus is saying, I know you meant it, but I know what's going to happen. He took a peek into their hearts. Communion, he's asking if we would take a peek into our own hearts. The first one, one of you will betray me, one who dips his bread in here with me, we know to be Judas. Actually, when you read this account, you take all the, the gospel accounts together. It was right after this. J- he looked at Judas and he says, what you do, do quickly. And he got up and left. And it says the disciples, as most of us do when we're hungry, your thought is like food. And they're like, where's he going? I don't know. Judas gets up, leaves. That's who Jesus is speaking about, and, Ju- and Judas does betray. We talked about that last week because of the jealousy. Because when we let jealousy drive us, we will let the cheapest version, when we see um, the most beautiful version of someone else, Mary dumping that costly ointment on Jesus' head, this beautiful thing. When we see the most, when we see others exercise the beauty within them, if we're jealous, 
we'll settle for the cheapest versions of ourselves. So it happened with Judas. This was the final straw. And then uh, he was also talking about to all the disciples, the sheep will be scattered. The shepherd will be struck. The sheep will be scattered. So now he's talking about all the disciples and then specifically Peter. Peter's like, not me. And he's like, actually, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you're going to deny that you even know me three times. You know what? It happened. Keep reading. Here's the point. Jesus knows where you're at. No matter how good you look today, whether you got up and you looked in the mirror this morning and you were like, that is what I'm talking about. Or if you looked in like a lot of us do and you're just like, people have to look at me. Help me to at least smile. Regardless how you feel about yourself, Jesus knows exactly where you're at. And that's so much of wanting to share the Lord with people. It's helping people to see that Jesus knows where you're at and he likes what he's looking at. That's the gospel. He doesn't look at people and be like, ah, we got our work cut out for us here. He says, I love you. Jesus knows where you're at, but here's the deal. He's asking you to be honest about where you're at when you take communion during this last supper. He knows when you, let me tell let me remind some of us. Jesus knows when you will fail next. He knows when I will fail next. He predicted specific sins here. He knew it. But he still invited them to the Last Supper. I want to remind somebody today that your denials don't exclude you from dinner with Jesus. They're actually prerequisites for a seat at the table. Your denials, your sins, the things that you have done wrong, they don't exclude you from the table. They're actually something you have to come to grips with in the midst of Jesus asking you to take a seat. Do you understand? That's why in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it says this about taking communion, about the Last Supper. Let a person examine himself, and then, then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. There is an examination that needs to happen. You need to take a peek on the inside. We live in a time where it's real easy to do some churchy things, say some prayers, drink some communion, take the bread. But Corinthians talks about doing it in an unworthy way. And we're like, what does that mean? Does that mean if I sin? No. It means that if you don't see, don't take a peek. Because when you take a peek on the inside, and then when we get to what we're, the, the bread and the cup that they take, we get to take a peek. Jesus is inside. But he's asking us to take a look on the inside. That's why the book of Psalms, the, all the songs, that's why they ring so true to the human experience. Do you know why? David, who wrote a lot of them, 
rad songs had mandolin in them, like today. Um, so much of it was self-examination. You know what David was really good at saying? Lord, I'm a mess on the inside. I may be king on the outside, but would you take a look inside of my heart? Cleanse me from stuff I don't even know about and lead me in the way everlasting. He had a way of taking a look on the inside and seeing something that wasn't holy and good by itself. But then as he was doing that and he would focus on the goodness of God, he would naturally have a way of saying, but because of you, I will keep going. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. These are the things. You are my shepherd. But he was honest about his own condition. That's why Psalms ring so true and near and dear to our heart. So do you need any surgery, heart surgery today? It requires being opened up first. The next thing, he asked them to partake. This is my favorite. Because we, we prepare, you can prepare a place you can prepare a meal. You can take a peek inside your own heart. But a meal that just sits there is just a meal that just sits there. You got to take a bite. Look at verse 22. And as they were eating, Jesus took the bread, blessed it, and broke it. And he gave it to them. And he said, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them. And they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. Assuredly, I say to you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. So whoever, uh, Rory, that you got to pass out communion, will you guys do that right now? So will you grab it, meet Roar, wherever you guys talked about? Grab the stuff. And pass it out as I'm talking through this last point. Now we're going to pass out to 100 people, but they had however many people around. But Jesus took bread, probably grabbed it, tore a piece off, and then he handed it to the person. It's like the math test that you used to get where you take one and pass them, pass them along. And he passed it out. And you know when he did it? He did it in the middle. He didn't do it at the end. He didn't do it at the beginning. It says he did it in the middle. After they had prepared and before he told them they were going to fail. Before they had a chance to do anything to make themselves look good. It was in the middle that Jesus took the bread and took the cup. In the middle of all the predicting. And all the preparation, that's when the meal happens. And I love it because it's in the midst of all of life that Jesus institutes what we call communion. The Lord's Supper. Um, A small act of connection with Jesus. It sounds good in my brain this way, and maybe it will help, help you. 
But I say, while we're on the way to becoming who we will be, and while we, we're not the person we once were, Jesus invites you to eat with him. We're all in process. As students of Jesus, we will all, always be students of Jesus. We're growing. But every once in a while, you take a look back and you see where God has brought you from. And we see we've come a long way, even though we still have a long way to go. Well, while we're on our way to becoming who we are and while we're not yet the person we were, I always think about my life and I'm like, well, here I am. I'm not sure what I thought 44 would look like when I was 24. I probably, you know, couldn't have told you what it would be like. But I know it's different than what I thought. So I'm always just like, well, here I am. It's just me. It is this space that Jesus invites us to connect. To remember what he saved you from, to proclaim what he saved you for. So as this finishes getting passed out, we're going to take it, we'll take it together right now. And that's exactly what he was doing with them. The Bible says that when you take the Last Supper, and what they were doing together is Jesus asked them to remember where he brought them from. And then he says, when you do this, you, you proclaim that you are my, his students. And then he says, I'm not going to do this again until we do it together in heaven, in eternity. So we are going to do this with Jesus one day. Probably won't be passed out on faux silver trays and little tiny cups and little crackers, I think it's going to happen around a big wedding banquet table, and the wine will be flowing. Oh, it won't be grape juice. But guess what? There won't be such thing as alcoholism. There won't be such thing as vices in our life that we're trying to avoid because those are unhealthy rhythms and unhealthy patterns. This will be sitting with the one who takes away the sin of the world the things that have held us captive in this world, and there will be a new freedom to have them with Jesus, and we will all do this together, and we will remember what he has done all throughout the history of the world. You know who was going to be at this table? David will be at that table. You know who else will be at that table? Peter. I'll take one. Peter will be at that table, who was spoken to, who denied Jesus less than 12 hours later. After communion, he had a fit, started cussing out this little girl. It was like, I don't know him. Beat it, kid. And after he did that, uh, forget which gospel account it says. It says that when he denied Jesus, he looked across the courtyard. Jesus was being beaten. And Jesus, it says, and Jesus looked at him and loved him. Hey, Rory, Melinda, will you guys come up here? <clears throat> the rest of the, the uh, band, you guys can come up as well. We're going to take this together right now. Then we're going to sing our last song.
as a response to taking the Lord's Supper. And then uh, after that song, I'll come up and I'll, I'll close us out. We have prepared a place, a time this morning to connect with God for you, for me, for all of us. We've taken a peek into God's goodness as we sing. And as I'm teaching, I know we're thinking about our own lives. And now we want to partake of Jesus together. We want to ask him, his heart to beat in our chest. So I've asked Rory and Melinda to pray over the bread and the cup, and then we're going to take it together, okay? You're the bread, right? Okay. All right, bow your heads and pray with me. God, this is your body that was broken for us. Just like the song that we sang this morning, we will never know how much it cost to see our sin upon the cross. We, we can try and grasp, but we will never fully know the price that you paid for us. And God, we just humble ourselves this morning. We thank you for that sacrifice that you made on our behalf. God, while we were still sinners, you died for us. It wasn't because we did anything or we were amazing that you wanted to reward us. You just did it because you love us so much. God, we come before you with gratitude in our hearts for that. Because once I was dead, and now I'm alive because of you and because of the cross. So Lord, this morning, as we are examining our hearts, we just pray that you would create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation and renew a right spirit with me, within me, God. Let's take the bread together. a blessing over this cup that represents Jesus' blood and sacrifice, the blood he shed on the cross for each of us. Let's bow our hearts and heads in heaven. Lord, we know that you sent Jesus for a great purpose, Lord, uh, by your love, and um, we uh, thank you for it. We thank you that um, he was obedient unto death on the cross. And uh, it was, uh, his, his thoughts must have been going out over each person in the world that he knew he would clench us from death by this blood that he shed, by his own blood. Lord, uh, we thank you for it. This uh, juice represents it. And uh, we ask that as we share in taking this cup in remembrance of what you did that you would be glorified by this church body and we thank you for that let's share in the cup
Thanks, you guys. It's crazy to think that sitting around that table all those years ago, somehow Jesus saw this morning. And as he looked around and he told them what he saw when he looked in their own lives, he is saying to you and me, I see you. I know all the stuff that's happened. I know all the stuff that will happen. And yet somehow his love is so great that when he looked at the worst version of you, he said, yeah, that's good enough for me. I'll do it anyways. Give his entire self that you could at any time in your day or any point in your week, you could freely come and ask to be reconnected to the heartbeat of the Father. And communion is something that followers of Jesus do to reconnect the heartbeat. I had other people come up and pray, so you see that it's not like a, something that has to be certain, only a certain person can do it. This is a regular table. These were regular people. You can lead communion at any time as we start our home groups, uh, life groups coming up soon. Know that at whatever time, you can just be like connecting with the Lord. You can do this around your home table. And I also wanted it to do it so Rory would know how hard it is to pray for the cup right after you eat one of those crackers. <laughs> it's way harder than you think. You're like... <laughs> um, No saving power in it on its own. So, you know, every week we, we know that there are people visiting our church for the first time. And, and communion, it might be something you're like, oh, yeah, my parents used to do this. Or someone used to, like, put it on my... You, you don't... It's, it's new. But what it is is it's a remembrance. It's all these things I said. It's preparing your inside and, and you're asking, Lord, um, would you do something? Would, would there be more of you in here? It's taking a peek on the inside. And then it's, it's connecting. It's having a mental and spiritual desire to know to be led and filled by Jesus. So if that's your heart and that's what you want, um, sing out to God with this song. As we all, let's stand, let's sing this song to the Lord in response to what we just talked about, what we just did. And then I'll come up and and close the service.